Welcome back, dear listeners, to another edition of Eden's Conflict. I'm your host, Chai, and today we are going to continue our thrilling exploration into this galactic battle between good and evil. In our third episode today, we'll dive into some deeply intriguing questions, but one in particular that has kindled curiosity and sparked many a heated debate throughout the centuries. And the question is this, if God is love, why was evil allowed to exist? But before we go any further, let's take a listen to our verse of the day, found in Revelations 13, verse 8. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In our previous episode, we discussed how Lucifer deceived our parents into surrendering dominion over the earth. And I ended that episode with titling that event, what most of us would call deception, and rightfully so, I actually call it Lucifer's prophecy. And you might be asking, how is that a prophecy? How is the lie that was told to our parents something to predict what the future had in store? But if you think about it, what was exactly promised in that event? Taken from Genesis 3 verses 4 and 5, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, anybody with a surface-level understanding of Scripture can read through this passage and say, See, the serpent lied to Eve, for she did not receive true godliness or godhood through eating the fruit. But what did the serpent actually promise her? Sure, the lie of death is very clear, for Adam and Eve did eventually die. But their eyes being opened, and the knowledge of good and evil was true. You and I are actually proofs of this very thing. Our understanding of being able to define something as good or bad, we are living examples. We have seen throughout humanity some of the greatest acts of love and self-sacrifice. The world is full of these stories. And we have also seen some of the most degenerative, hateful acts the world has ever known. Good and evil are all two friendly companions of each of us today. And in this, I believe, begins the prophecy. You see, Satan's original plan to be like God, in fact to be God, was one that God was not willing to just leave alone. And he wasn't going to sit idly by. This brings the the question we started out with. If God is good, why did he allow evil to come into the existence of the world in the first place? But it is only through the freedom to choose that we actually see the opportunity to exhibit true goodness. 
It is only with the freedom to fully surrender and give ourselves over to a divine loving being that also comes with the possibility of choosing to withhold ourselves and surrender ourselves over to one who hates and seeks to destroy us. But rather than just talk about it, let's actually see what the Word of God says. The Gospel of John illustrates a understanding of God's nature in a way that few other authors do. In John 1 verse 14, we are told, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our verse taken from Revelations 13, 8, talks about how one day all will worship God, even those whose names are not listed in the Book of Life. But many of us ignore the second part of that passage, which talks about the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. You see, God did not just abandon humanity to its sin. No, in fact, as John put it, God set aside all of his divine supremacy so as to sympathize with our fallen humanity. The infinite became cloaked in the finite, the divine mingled with the mortal, and the cosmic architect who dwelt above all creation stepped down from his throne in order to be a testament for us in the flesh of his own nature. The battle between good and evil, the struggle that has raged on for humanity's soul for over 6,000 years is not one without loss and sacrifice. Now you might say, well, that's obvious. We all know someone who's died. Perhaps not from a wicked deed, but just of age itself. Sin degrades and tears down the body. Meanwhile, we speak of these beings that we cannot see or touch or feel somewhere out there in the cosmos, looking down at us. And yet, the stories in the Gospels show how a God who is above all things chose to stoop down to our level so that you and I would not be left alone. While Satan and his angels aspired to seize God's throne, Christ was willing to sacrifice all of it. In Philippians 2 verse 6 through 9, it's a very clear picture of Christ's willingness to be our replacement for sin. Who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. In the realms of divinity, there are only two kingdoms. One is based on the 
take mentality. You claim your territory. You take from others that which you are owed. And the other is based on the surrendering mentality. You give to others that which they do not deserve. And you give all that you have and then give even more. Only one of these kingdoms is the foundation of God and his established throne. Yet, which one do we choose to live under? The creator himself, the one who is responsible for all existence, gave up all that he had, made himself of no reputation, and was so willing he did it all the way to the cross. In the first epistle of John, we are given a little bit more light into why didn't God just abandon humanity? Why didn't he just let Satan have his domain? Why didn't he just put up a barrier around earth and say, look, an example for all eternity so that all other beings would know that I am love and he is evil? Anytime an angel or other being wants to say, God, are you really love? He can simply say, there is earth. Go take a look at it and tell me if you think it is in a better state than heaven. And one might argue that he would have been justified in doing so. Humanity chose their God. Why not leave us to our own devices? 1 John 4 verse 9 In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Love, in its truest sense, is not a characteristic of God. And this is where many people frame the question wrong. If God is so loving, why does evil exist? God does not have the character of love. He is love. You see, because he is love, he could not leave humanity alone to suffer. Suffering cannot exist in the presence of love, and God is omnipresent. God could not leave humanity for this very reason. Yet, sin demands a price. Something had to be sacrificed that would be equivalent to the offense that was committed. It would take an infinite being to pay the infinite price for humanity's sins over its lifetime. 1 Peter 2.21 invites us to reflect on what Christ's sacrifice means for us. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Satan is no fool. He is aware of what God is actively doing to redeem humanity, to cover the price of their sin, the transgression fee that must be paid. And this is where many Christians, unfortunately today, have taken a lax approach to their own salvation, because they look at what Christ did and say, I am saved under grace. It is through Christ alone. Therefore, there is no sin on me. And you are right. But this does not excuse sin within us. While 
God did sacrifice all that he had because it was the only thing that would actually cover our transgression. He also gave us an example of how we are to live. We are not called to continue the selfish habits of Satan's kingdom, but we are called to be mere images, reflections of God's nature, his character, to be self-sacrificing above all else for others. And in doing so, the nature of God will overflow through our lives to those around us. We will become like reservoirs of His divine nature, where others may come and drink freely from the water of life that He gives us. The character of God is one that He intends not only to help humanity, but to be echoed through humanity. Romans 8 verse 29 gives us a little more insight on this blueprint that Christ has set before us. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. To assume that I am going to be able to answer an age-old question as to why sin was allowed to exist in the first place in a 15-minute episode is probably foolish. But what I can be assured of is the fact that while sin does exist, God has created the perfect counterplay to the enemy's deception. And the promise that you and I can be a part of that play, that action that God is doing to reach out and transform humanity, that we might be vessels of His glory, is one I want to be a part of. I want to be born into the family of God. <laughs> and if that is your desire, if you are tired of this world and evil that has existed for so long, and you would like to work with me on counteracting this evil, then I invite you to pray with me. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your gift of understanding. Thank you for your sacrifice, the nature that gives of self beyond what is deserved, to reconnect us with divinity, far greater than we even initially possessed. You desired to bring us into your fellowship, to make us children of your very nature. And you showed us this through the example of your Son, Jesus Christ. And in doing so, Lord, you began to turn the words of the serpent, which inevitably meant to destroy and harm us, around on his own head, so that we truly could see the difference between good and evil. And we will one day stand boldly and proclaim before all heaven and earth that your way is just and true. Lord, guide us to that place. Fill us with your grace so that we might become reservoirs of your love, an oasis in the desert of this life, offering sustenance to those who are thirsting and hopeless. Father, we believe you can, you are, 
and you will do this for us because you have promised it in your word. And we claim that promise in the name and gift of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. This we pray. Amen. As we wrap up today's episode, let us reflect on the boundless love of God. And ask yourself, have you made the effort to reciprocate the love that God has for you to those around you? You might say, I have nothing to give. But I would remind you of the story of the widow who gave two mites towards the temple and how Christ pointed out that in her poverty, she has given the most. I'm your host, Jai, signing off on another edition of Eden's Conflict. Tune in next week where we will conclude this four-part series and see how God has given us a part of his godhood in a way that Satan will never be able to. Thanks once again for joining me on this. And until we should meet again, dear listeners, stay curious, keep exploring, and remember, the promises of God are yours to claim if only you would believe that you have them. Are you ready for an epic spiritual showdown? With Eden's Conflict, it's more than just a game. It's an adventure in faith and strategy that brings biblical narratives to life. Crafted with stunning artwork and meticulous design, Eden's Conflict is a thrilling strategy card game that'll challenge your mind and engage your spirit. Pre-sales are now open. Be one of the first to experience the exhilarating journey through this divine battlefield. Visit EdensConflict.com and secure your pre-order today. Embark on a mission where faith meets fun and prepare for a gaming experience like no other. Eden's Conflict, where every game is a new adventure in the Word of God.